Turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read the Christmas story. Uh, this is the Christmas story that from the time that I could remember my father read uh, to us when we were growing up as children, and I have read it to my children, and they're going to read it to their children. There's two places in the gospel where the story of Jesus' birth is told, in Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel. The fascinating thing about this story is that the, really the emphasis in the early church wasn't just in that Christ came, but that he's coming again. And we want to talk to you about that this morning, how we keep Christmas joy as we are awaiting the return of Jesus. Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse number 1. And the Bible says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. Everyone say, worship him. worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And so they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it was written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. And when, it, when Herod, then Herod, when he had heard secretly, called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me, so that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, until it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced. Everyone say, they rejoiced. Rejoice. With exceedingly great joy. Just say it with me, great joy. Rejoice. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. When they opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to come back to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This morning I want to talk to you on the topic while we are awaiting the return of Christ, we can have joy. While we are awaiting the return of Christ, we can have joy. And this morning I'm going to pray for our children's pastor. In between services, first and second service, she was in an accident and they have taken her. Is she going to be okay? But we're going to pray for her right now. But uh, she was in an accident, and uh, we just need to pray right now. She's at the hospital. So pray God's peace and grace over Pastor Kristen and our children's team. Can you do that right now, Father? We thank you today for the, the God of grace that you are. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you know everything about our life. And, Lord, I pray for Kristen right now. Thank you for this incredible ministry that her and Doug have to our City Church family. And we just pray peace over her. We pray peace over her family and over our church. We thank you that you are a good father. You see everything. You know everything. And so even this morning as we come to you, we just want to say thank you. God, you are good. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for your divine protection over Kristen's life and over her family. Lord, for every person that's here today, give them an ear to hear that we can. We can have joy while we are awaiting the return of Christ. I ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. In the Bible... This concept of joy, this, this understanding of joy is from, from Genesis to Revelation. It is one of the great themes, having Christian joy, having a sense of gladness and hope in our heart. 
As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, the word for joy is charis. Everyone say charis. The word literally is the same word that we get grace from. The same word that we get grace. It's a gladness or a happiness or an exuberance that comes as a result of the gift of God. Someone said it's the happy state. The happy state that results from knowing and serving God. The happy state. John Piper says it like this. Joy is a good feeling in the soul. We could preach that. Joy is a good feeling in the soul. Produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. As he causes us the beauty of Christ to see the beauty of Jesus in his word and in his world. The Bible declares the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of God is your strength. The joy of God in my strength. You see, the absence of joy in our life makes life miserable. It makes it absolutely miserable. I saw a person recently, and I've known them for many years, and I've known over the last couple of years they've really struggled in their faith and struggled with the church and struggled with me, and, and I just happened to be passing this person, and they look miserable. They, they had one of those moments when they saw me, they wished they could have ducked, but they couldn't because I was standing right in front of them, and I came over to give this person a great big hug, and they didn't want to hug me. And I hugged them anyway, side hug. I tried to squeeze one in. I remember walking away. I hate to say that I thought this, but the first thought in my mind was, boy, be, to be them right now must really suck. <laughs> I mean, when we have an absence of joy in our life, life doesn't go well. Our wife doesn't like us. Our kids don't like us. The job doesn't like us. When we have an absence of joy, our whole world is clouded with what I call joy robbers, joy robbers, things that rob us of that place in God. You see, when we know Christ, the fruit of a relationship with Jesus is not only, not only love, but joy and peace. As a matter of fact, the Bible says righteousness, when we are in right standing with God, we will experience joy and peace by the power of his Holy Spirit. It's a fruit. It's an it's a evidence. It's a, the result of being in relationship with God. All of us have had things in our life that have robbed us of our joy. We can complain. If you're a complainer today, you know what you have? An absence of joy. At Christmas time, it's so easy to be overcommitted. You got work parties and school parties and family parties and Christmas parties and programs and plays and shopping and all these kinds of things and we can find ourselves with so many commitments that we miss the meaning the significance of christmas that jesus is coming again we have conquered we have unconquered bad habits or sinful behaviors that steal and rob the joy in our life we have lots of things family breakdowns divorce Divorce right after the Christmas season goes to an all-time high. As a matter of fact, more divorces, divorces in America on January 8th than any other day out of the 365. People just get me through the Christmas season, and then we'll go file the papers. Financial meltdowns and breakdowns, difficulties, and prayerlessness for the Christ follower. Prayerlessness. These are all things that rob our joy. You know, joy in my life, it, it really... I find it in the big things, but I can find it in the small things. 
We've had some big things happen in our lives in the last couple of years. And 2015 was a year of big things. My oldest son was married on, I don't want to get the date. I don't want to quote the date, I get it wrong. But I barely remember mine. I don't know if I can remember his. But I think it was August 15th. The next Sunday, City Church had our grand opening service in this auditorium. And in that same week, the same week my wife and I celebrated 28 years of marriage. Come on, amen. There was a lot of joy. There was a lot of celebration. But I find joy in the small things. Last year, I had one of the young guys come over from the church, and he helped me clean out my garage. And man, when this, I was finished cleaning out my garage, I had a lot of joy. <laughs> I had a lot of happiness. This, the small things in life can produce joy. Dedicating children, dedicating a little baby to the Lord, watching our children perform today, it brings joy in our life. Joy. There's something that God desires for each of us to walk in and to experience today. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And because God is with us, we can experience joy today. We can walk in joy. We can be people of joy. Our story of the wise men, there's some things that we can learn from them. There's some things that if we look with the right perspective on eternity, with the right perspective on Jesus, there's some lessons that we can learn that, from them about Christmas joy. The first thing that I want you to see was found in verse number two. They were attuned to the season of Jesus' coming. They were attuned to the season. These were wise men that came from the east. Bible scholars believed that they were from modern-day Persia or Iran. And they had studied the stars in relationship to the scriptures. They were men who knew the word of God. They knew that this was the season that the Messiah, the promised one of old, the one that the prophets had said would come to deliver his people was going to be born. They were wise men. They accepted this reality, the truth of the scripture. They acknowledged him as king. They were in tune with this. Their hearts were in tune to the season of his coming. They were aware that Christ was going to be born. They were aware of this. As Christ followers today, our hope, our blessed hope is the return of Christ. We are attuned to the season and the times that we live. The Bible says that no man knows the hour of the day that Christ will return, but we can know the season. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul the Apostle writing to a church talking about the return of Jesus. He said, now about the times and seasons, brothers and sisters, we need not write to you. For you are fully aware that that day the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The Lord will come like a thief in the night. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that day should overtake you like a thief. See, that day is not going to overcome the believer like a thief. That day is going to overcome those who are not looking and awaiting for his return. See, they were in tuned to the reality that Christ was going to return again. How do we keep Christmas joy? We keep a focus on the eternal. We keep a focus on the reality that Christ is coming back for those who are looking and awaiting his appearing. See, they were seekers of God. They were seekers of God. They were seeking to come and worship him, to worship him. Psalms chapter 7, he says, May all who search seek for be filled with the joy and gladness in you. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, The Lord is good. 
Come on, say that with me. The Lord is good. If you're looking for true joy and happiness this Christmas season, you've got to have an attitude of a worshiper today. One who is attuned to the fact that Christ is going to come again. The second thing is they accepted the truth of his coming. They not only were in tune that he was going to come, but they, were in, they, were, they had accepted this truth and this reality. They were blessed because they believed the promises of old. They were blessed because they believed the words of Scripture. As a matter of fact, the prophet Micah had prophesied 730 years before Jesus came and was born on planet Earth to his mother Mary and to Joseph. 730 years these men believed that promise. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, blessed, hear me today, blessed, happy, happy are those who read the words of this prophecy. Happy, blessed. The word there for, for blessed literally means to be happy, to be extremely blessed. Happy are those who read the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it. Because the time is near. The time is near. The book of Revelation gives us a glimpse of the future, of what is going to happen before Christ comes. It tells us about what happens when Christ does come. It gives us an eternal picture of what heaven and the reality of believers have to look for. The Bible says, happy are those. Blessed are who read these words aloud. These men had believed the words of God. Today, you have a choice. You see, you can build your life on your foundation. You can build your life on the foundation of the education that you received in school. You can build your life on your mama's wisdom and your daddy's or your grandma's. You can build your life on the prevailing wisdom of your generation and your culture. But I got to tell you, these things will pass away. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, the word of God will last and abide forever. Someone said amen. Jesus said you can build your house on your own way. You can build your house on your own philosophy. But it, when the storms of life come, when the winds come, when the rains come, you'll be washed away. But they that build their life upon the rock, the truth of God's word, they will never be shaken. When the winds come, when the rains come, when the storms come, they will not be shaken. Someone said amen. Oh, they blessed because they were blessed because they believed the words of the prophet. That's why they were seeking, but they also acted upon it. Very interesting that God would use this man, Herod. Herod was a wicked king, evil man, evil, evil ruler, evil man. As a matter of fact, historians tell us that they, they, would, they said of Herod, it would be better to be literally a pig, a pig than it was to be a son born into his household. He was a murderer. Anybody that he felt was a threat to him and his throne, he would remove them. Anybody that he thought might have the potential to abdicate his throne, he would take care of them. He was a bloodthirsty man. He needed a lot of meds and a good psychiatrist. <laughs> and he heard that Jesus was going to be born. It was a threat to him. I want you to hear this today. God will use... Even evil people that come into your life for your good and for his glory. See, God will use anyone. God used Herod to direct these men to go and to seek after Jesus. They, they, they accepted the truth and they acted on it. 
The Bible says that they diligently sought for the Lord. See, there are two kinds of people in this room today. There are speculators, there are speculators, and there are seekers. Speculators are speculating, well, maybe it's this way, or maybe it's this way, or maybe it's this way, or maybe this pathway, or this truth, or, or this angle. Maybe there's a God, maybe there isn't a God. But seekers know that there's a God. Seekers know that there is a way that seems right to a man, but that way leads to death. Seekers know today that if I seek him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, I will find him. Someone said amen. See, these wise men diligently sought after God. God loves seekers who are willing to believe and to act on his promises. Do you believe today? Do you believe today? The Bible says the promises of God are yes and amen to them that believe. Do you believe? See, faith moves the hand of God. Faith acted upon moves mountains. Faith heals the brokenhearted. Faith opens blinded eyes. Faith opens doors that have been shut in your life. Do you believe today? These men put their belief and their faith and the hope in the living Son of God. Do you want to experience joy in your life? Then you must be willing to believe and to act upon what God tells you to do. The third thing we can learn from these men is they acknowledged him as king with their worship. They acknowledged him as king with their worship. Verse 9, it says, After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before them, before them until it came to rest upon him. And then the Bible says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And then in verse number seven, it says, and they fell down and they worshiped him. They worshiped him. Here's what happens when you step into this place of accepting this reality that Christ is king. When you step into this reality that he is the only one worthy of our worship, Suddenlies, everyone say suddenlies. Supernatural surprises come into your life. See, as they were seeking, there was a star that suddenly stopped. I mean, that's a miracle within itself. We can't even explain how that took place. But there was a suddenly that came into their life, and their life was full of supernatural surprises. You see, when you come before the King of Kings and you begin to worship Him, God begins to make a way where there is no way. God opens doors that no man could open. God shuts doors and keeps you going, from the, going down the wrong path. God does things in your life that no man or woman could ever do. See, these men acknowledge God as a, and worship. They, they worshiped in song. They rejoiced greatly. Their heart was exceedingly glad. But then the Bible says that they fell down. They bowed down. As I serve the Lord, the longer that I serve the Lord, and the older that I get, I recognize that worship is more than just my song. Because I can sing, and I can shout, and I can run around the room with the best of them. But I got to tell you, that isn't always necessarily worship. Sometimes it's just me getting a good physical exercise on. Worship is the attitude of my heart. When I come humbly before him, and I'm willing to bow down and acknowledge him as my king of kings. And he's my lord of lords. And he alone is my worship. He is my alone, alone is my praise. He alone is worthy of everything I have and everything I'm not. I give it all to you, God. 
I surrender fully to you. I give you my family. I give you my wife. I give you my finances. I give you my resources. I acknowledge you as my king today. I bow down to worship you as king of kings. These men bowed before the living Savior who seemed to be a little tiny baby. But let me tell you today, that little baby grew up who died on the cross and rose from the dead on the third day. And then the Bible says that he ascended into heaven. He said, but don't be afraid, my children. I'm coming back just like you've seen me now. I'm coming back again riding on a white horse. And I will be victorious. Satan will be defeated. Sickness will be destroyed. Sin will be thrown away and cast away forever in the lake of fire. Someone said amen. See, he is the king today. He alone is worthy of your worship and all of your praise. God is interested in your supreme happiness. He's the God of joy. The Bible says that Jesus was filled with the joy, a joy, a happiness, a gladness above all of his brothers. See, God that we serve today, he's concerned about your supreme happiness. But the only way that you can be happy today the only way that you truly can be happy today is if you acknowledge and you worship him and you fully surrender to him as your king. You see, one encounter with Jesus will leave you changed. The little shepherds that we heard quote the scripture. The shepherds had an encounter with the angel and they went and they saw the Christ child. And the Bible says that they were changed. They were changed. They went to tell everybody else about what God had done, the miracle that they had seen. They were overwhelmed with joy and worship. Today, God has created us to be a people who worship and acknowledge him as king. It's the only way that we'll ever truly find joy in our life. And the last thing that I want you to see this morning, they avoided those who tried to steal their joy. They're joy robbers in your life. Herod was going to be a joy robber. When they, if they would have made their way back to Herod, that would have been it. He would have killed them. Just like he had done many, many other people. If you just go down a few scriptures later in Matthew's gospel, you will see that Herod had all the children under the age of two, all the firstborn males, all the firstborn baby boys in that region murdered. He was a murderous man. If they would have made their way back to see Herod, they would not live you got to avoid. <laughs> you got to run from things that will rob your joy. you got to run from bad habits. you got to run from the temptations of Satan. you got to run from those things, from complaining and murmuring. Sometimes you got to run from family members. <laughs> oh, come on, somebody. you got to run from always being right. You're going to have Christmas dinner with some family members who completely disagree with you politically. And you got to just say, you know what? I'm going to not talk about politics this Christmas. You got to run from it. That's not going to bring you joy. It's not going to bring you happiness. Sometimes we, we want to be right. And we're so wrong. Because everything that God has good for us is sapped out of our life. Love is sapped out. Peace is sapped out. Joy is sapped out. The joy of the Lord will be your strength today. There's always Mr. Grinches. There's always Mr. Potters. Sad, silly, miserable old man. Always, always in our lives. 
You see, God, God favors his righteous cause. And today when you acknowledge Christ as your savior, when you acknowledge Christ as your king, you become righteous in his sight. Not because of what you did, but because of what Jesus did. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of what he has done today. And today, I want you to hear this today. I want you to hear this today. God loves you. God wants you to be supremely filled with his joy and his happiness. And so how do you do that today? Really simply, how do you do that? First of all, you've got to look upward. Everyone say upward. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, looking upward, looking to unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith for the joy. Everyone say joy. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross. How do you find Christmas joy? She looked at Jesus. You look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. You look outward. Everyone say outward. You look outward. You look towards the needs of other people. I love Proverbs 22.9. says, the generous will themselves be made happy. The generous will be happy. For they share their food with the poor. Oh, we're going into the Christmas season. And many of you are going to be generous with others during Christmas. But I want to challenge you today. Don't just make it a Christmas experience. Make it an everyday 365 days a year, seven, seven times, whatever it is, 24, 24, seven. Live open-handed. Last night, I went to a little, I had, I had it, I was hungry, I went to the restaurant, and uh, I left this uh, girl a big tip, and I just slid out of there really fast before she could say anything, and I just thought, that was really fun. That was really fun. It's really fun to live open-handed when people aren't expecting it. It's really fun to be a blessing to other people's lives. God's blessed us so that we can be a blessing. We focus outwards on others. And then ultimately, we gotta look at our inside. Here was Paul's prayer to the church at Rome. And may the God of hope fill you with all joy. Everyone say joy. joy. And peace. God fill you with joy and peace. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. The Holy Spirit is here today. The fruit, the fruit of being in relationship with Jesus, the fruit of having the indwelling Spirit of God live in you is love, joy, and peace. And you know how you invite the Holy Spirit into your atmosphere? You rejoice. You rejoice. Philippians 4. Paul, writing from a prison cell, says these words. Rejoice in the Lord always. Everyone say it with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to say it again. You didn't hear me, church. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in God. Find your goodness. Find his grace. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let your evidence be known to all. And then this translation says, the Lord is near. Another translation says, the Lord is coming again. Jesus is coming again. The Bible says he is coming for those who are looking and awaiting his appearing. See, he won't overtake those who are walking in joy. 
He won't come like a thief to those who are walking in peace and love and righteousness. He won't overcome as a thief as those who are looking to him as the author and the finisher of their faith. But today, man, if you're not walking in it, if you're not fully surrendered to him, when he comes, you won't be expecting it. It'll be a sad day for many people. Many people have heard this message, heard this word, and they still will choose to go their own way. I want you to know today, Jesus is coming again. He came the first time just like he promised. He came as a baby, but he didn't stay a baby. He grew to become a man who lived a sinless life, who was the perfect supreme example of what love is. He was the perfect supreme example of what joy is. He was the perfect supreme example of what peace is. He's Jesus, and he loves you today. I want you to close your eyes. You're in this room today, and you know that you don't have a relationship with this Jesus. You know today that in your heart, in your life, this joy that only God can give, man, you're not feeling it. You're not in a happy place or happy state. You know today that your life isn't right with God. I want to give you that opportunity. It's so simple. It's so simple to step from death into life. It's so simple to step from not knowing to know from knowing. It's so simple. You simply must believe. The Bible says that we repent and believe. Repent means we change the way that we think about who we are and where we're at and what we're doing, and we put our faith and hope in Christ alone. You're here today, and you know your life isn't right with God. When I count to three, I want, you, I want you to experience that joy that so many in this room have experienced. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand, and we're going to pray in just a moment. One, two, three. Come on in this room right now. All across this room, hands are up. All across this room, thank you for being honest today. Thank you for being honest. Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. Can we all just say this prayer today? Lord Jesus, I admit today that I haven't experienced your joy. And I turn to you, the risen Jesus. I ask today that you forgive me of my sins. I admit today that I'm a sinner and I need your grace. I believe, Lord Jesus, that you lived a perfect life. You died on the cross and you rose from the dead just for me. I confess you with my mouth. I believe in my heart that you are my God. From this day forward, Lord Jesus, help me to serve and to live for you and to walk in your joy and your mighty name.